Welcome to the Grace Fellowship Church of Ephrata podcast. Our desire is to help you grow in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are. For more information, please check out our website at www.gfchurch.net. We started a series last week that I called A Jesus-Free Christmas. What would it be like if we decided to remove Jesus from this holiday? What would, what would we be left over with? I wanted to challenge your thinking on this because there are people that want a Jesus-Free Christmas. They just want to take him out of all of this. And today, we want to go into a different aspect of it. Last week, we talked about the fact what we were left with is basically unexplainable rituals. Last week we talked about the fact that, yeah, if we remove Jesus from Christmas, then we're left with mistletoe, Hallmark movies, uh, and, and so on. That's all we basically have left. And what it does is it kind of sort of cheers us up for a little bit, and then come January the 3rd, we're right back to where we were. We're just down. And, and so I want to take a look at it through a different lens today and, and really challenge our thinking with this. Um, now, uh, all of us have cravings. All of us have cravings. Uh, it might be a food. It may be a snack. It might be a hobby. Some of you have cravings to golf, I think. Do we have any golfers here at all? I moved to a non-golfing church, which means you're probably holier than most. Oh, Chip. Okay, well, Chip, I, you know, he's a golfer. That's fitting. Chip shot. Oh, okay, wow, that didn't happen. So, uh Anyway, we all have cravings for things, and all of us are different. Each of us have those things that we really, really enjoy and we really, really like to do, and it's sort of our guilty pleasure from time to time. And those cravings can be good, but sometimes they can lead us to things that are not so good. I heard a story about a young pastor who uh, went around, and he was doing a visitation, and so he visited uh, one of his, uh, the older ladies from his congregation, and he went over for lunch and had a wonderful conversation with her, and she offered to do lunch. And so he said, yeah, that'd be great. So she goes off into the kitchen and begins to make uh, lunch for them. Uh, as he's sitting there, he sees a bowl in the middle of the coffee table with some nuts in it. And so he begins to eat a few, whatever. It's just peanuts. And he's like, man, these are really good. So he keeps eating them. And Next thing you know, he's eating the whole bowl. And, and the uh, person comes in, and she has the lunch ready, and she sits it down. And he's like, I just got to apologize to you. He said, you know, the peanuts, they were really good. I really enjoyed that. I'm sorry. I ate the whole bowl. She said, well, that's fine. Uh, I lost my teeth a long time ago, and so I can really only suck the chocolate off them anymore. <laughs> Cravings can be a bad thing. A bad thing. Um, we are now you're disturbed for the rest of the service. So um, don't eat any nuts sitting on a coffee table. That's the lesson. Uh, this is the season of cravings. Uh, when you think about it, from uh, the Food Network or restaurants putting special menus of higher calorie foods out there at this time of year, they're leaning into people's cravings. They're trying to appeal to a person's cravings. You turn on the TV and you watch all of the different commercials and the marketing. Good grief, our kids turn on, you know, Nickelodeon or something right now, and it's their prime time. They are appealing to our kids' cravings. Hey, if you get this, you're going to be happy. You're going to be fulfilled. This is going to be the greatest Christmas ever if you get this. This is a season of cravings. Uh, I saw the other night on, uh, I think it was WGAL, 
they were talking about how much people had bought into this, that uh, this past Black Friday, the, the shopping season, they saw an enormous boost because some places began to offer buy now, pay later. I'm not going to ask you if you did that. Buy now, pay later. Now, when I was growing up, uh, there was something similar called layaway, okay? Uh, Kmart layaway even. So, uh, but it was this whole idea, get it now, get it now, and, and, and don't worry about paying it. And they're actually worried about this because they think that a lot of people took things and bought things that they may end up defaulting on, and that's going to hit the economy one way or the other. But they're appealing to cravings by saying, you can have this right now, just take it, pay us later. Here you go. It's appealing to our cravings. It's appealing to something, and it's promising us something. That if you fill yourself up with this, you're going to be happy. And I ask this question as I know this truth. I think all of us know this. This stuff is all temporary. Just, man, the toys I bought my kids last year. I mean, basically, they're being recycled already. I mean, we buy things. They give us happiness for a little bit, but then they fade. They fade. Clothes wear out. Tools wear down. You can only do a jigsaw puzzle too many times, and then it's just, yeah, then you have to glue it together and put it on the wall as art. Uh, but it, it only lasts for a little bit. And it, mass, it begs this question, then why on earth do we even buy gifts? Why do we even buy gifts? Why do we stress out? Who stresses out with gift giving I do. I, yeah, there's a couple of you. I, I'll admit, I mean, I almost have to have an Excel spreadsheet and, and, and like create an algorithm on my computer because I stress out over getting that perfect gift, asked Beth after. I stress out, like seriously. Some of you were blessed with that gift of the, the uh, love language of gift giving. Uh, some of you, any love language gift givers here, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, that's your way of expressing love and also people expressing love to you, that gifts are a big deal. And uh, so you have no problem with it. In fact, I would hire you, if you have that, uh, to help me and take and remove my stress. Um, we appeal to cravings, and yet we know that these are only temporary, and we stress out over gift giving and buying gifts and so on, and you would think it's just ridiculous, especially when last week we talked about the fact that the whole idea of gift giving originated from the gifts. It was meant to point back to the gifts of the wise men and also the birth of Christ, him being the ultimate gift given to us. We looked at John chapter 1 last week on that. As we think about all of this, I have one thought this morning, the point that I want us to really dwell upon as we read out of John chapter 6 in just a minute. Indulging your cravings misses unfulfilled longings. Indulging your cravings misses unfulfilled longings. You can indulge your cravings at this time of year. Sure, go nuts. Buy a bunch of stuff. Eat a bunch of food. Okay? But ultimately, those only fulfill this craving, and we're left afterwards with something much deeper. We see many people go crazy and buy all of these things and just try to take in this whole season. In January, they, they're empty again. And the reason is because they fulfilled a craving, not what their soul desperately longs for. You know, uh, mankind, all of humanity, whether you are in Africa, Asia, America, we all are wired with a deep longing and similar deep longings. We want to know purpose. We want to know meaning and forgiveness. Uh, we want to know that our life is not just a mistake. All of humanity longs for these things, has a, a desire to understand this about themselves. 
But many people go after gifts and all of this stuff looking for that thing to fulfill it, and they wind up hungry at the end. They're never really truly fulfilled. We believe that Jesus is, has to be required in Christmas because Jesus is truly the only thing that will fulfill those longings of our heart. I want us to take a look at John chapter 6. It's going to be up on the screen. Uh, you can uh, zap the QR code in the bulletin or just open your Bible. Um, John chapter 6, we're going to take a look starting at verse 25. Let me set up what's been going on here. Jesus is in the midst of his ministry. Uh, Jesus has just fed 5,000 uh, people. It's believed it was more than 5,000. 5,000, they counted the men. Uh, so it's very possible it could have been 10 to 12,000, 15,000 that Jesus actually fed with five bread and two lo- or five uh, loaves, two fish. Uh, he feeds all of these people. It's a miracle. And the people loved it. They were blown away at this. Not too long after this, Jesus uh, sends the disciples off in a boat. They get in a boat and they start sailing north to Capernaum. And uh, he walks on water, another miracle that he does. They get to the other side to Capernaum. And some of the people that had been fed in the 5,000 plus people have been trying to track down Jesus. And they have a reason why. And we're going to see it in just a second because Jesus just hits them between the eyes with it. In verse 25, it says this, when they, that's the people that had been fed within the 5,000 plus, they've been looking for Jesus. When they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And this is what I love about Jesus. He just doesn't pull any punches. He goes right to what he knows their motivation is. They aren't generally concerned about what time he, they got, he got there. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, You are asking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus hits them right between the eyes. You all have been looking for me because I gave you bread and fish just yesterday. You got to see that miracle, and you liked what you ate, and you're chasing after me for this. What did they have? They had a craving. They love the miracle. They love being a part of it and benefiting from it. Wow, we got all this bread and fish and all this. This guy did this. It's amazing. And so they loved that part of Jesus' ministry because they personally benefited from it. It was a craving. But Jesus, as he normally does, turns this into a deeper lesson for them. In verse 27, he tells them, Don't work for food that perishes. Don't work for the bread and the fish that I just gave you. Don't make that the point of your life, your craving. But instead, work for the food that endures to eternal life. Something that feeds that deep hunger that all of humanity has. Which the Son of Man will give to you. Which I will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. God has set me apart. Jesus says, you know what? You need to worry about the need in your life. The deep longing, that deep hunger that all of humanity has, people searching for purpose, people searching for hope, people searching for love, all of those things that all of humanity, regardless of when you lived or where you live, that's what everybody's looking for. That's what you need to be seeking the answer to. And I can give it to you, he says. Verse 28, he goes on and he says, Then they said to him, Well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answers them and says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is how you solve that craving, that deeper longing that you have, that deeper appetite that all humanity has. You believe in the one that God has sent. 
Now you know he's pointing to himself because he's told people, God sent me. I'm here. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one coming to save the world. He's told them this. But they're more infatuated with the cool stuff he does because that's exciting. That's fun. He says, you have to believe in me. If you want all that aching of your soul, you must believe I am who I said I am and that God sent me here. That's it. That's the only thing that's going to solve things. It goes on. Uh, verse 20 or uh, 30, excuse me. Uh, so they said to him, well, then what sign do you do that we may be, uh, see uh, and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So pause with this one. They're saying, can you do a miracle to prove you are who you said you are? What did they just see a day earlier? You could say it out loud. A miracle. He just fed 5,000 plus people. They were there. They ate it. And they still want to see more. See, that's the thing with cravings. You buy a lot of gifts. You want a lot of stuff. Uh, if you're seeking for that deep ache of love, you're looking for the affirmation of people, you bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship, constantly going, and, and you're seeking something, but then when you get it, you find out it's not what it really was. You, th you thought it would solve problems, and it didn't. And these people here are saying, Jesus, yeah, we saw your miracle yesterday, but that was yesterday. What are you going to do now? We want to see it. Come on. Maybe they're trying to see if they can fool Jesus into doing another miracle because that's what they liked. That's what they wanted to see. And they even say, well, you know, Moses and them, uh, Israel, they had manna. God gave that to them and so on. And, and so they're trying to almost bait him into something. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you uh, the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Once again, Jesus is here saying, it's me, I'm me. You must believe in me, be committed to me if you want that deep longing solved in your life. I'm the only thing that's going to fulfill you. And once again, he's talking, they're trying to get him on this whole thing of doing a miracle. They're trying to get him to uh, do something awesome rather than really accepting him for who he was saying he was. He was the one that would fulfill their deepest longings to feel salvation, to be right with God. Another thing that I think people long for is to feel right with God, even those that may not fully understand everything about God, who maybe that's you this morning, you don't know what to make of God, you know, that idea that there's a God, but there's something in us that wants to be right with him. We want a clear conscience we want to have uh, someone who loves us, someone who cares for us. Jesus is the one who fulfills all of that in our life. It goes on, verse 34. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus says one of his many I am statements. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Okay, let's just be out there. I am the one who's going to sustain you. I'm the bread of life. All spiritual healing in life, that you need in your life, it's me. All source of life 
to, for hope and purpose. Everything you're looking for, it's me. I am that bread of life. Whoever comes to me, if you choose to believe in me and who I say I am, you choose to commit your life to me. If you do that, you will not hunger anymore. As Christians, if you have made that decision, you said, Jesus, my life is yours. I will do whatever you say. I am turning from a life of living for myself in sin. I will find everything I need in you. I am yours. If you have done that, according to this, Jesus says, if you've done that, you will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst again. Those deep longings are met. If you're a Christian and you're like, I don't understand that, I still feel hopeless. It's time to get back to the bread of life. It's time to remember what Jesus fulfills, that deep ache of your soul. Some of us would know this from firsthand experience because we can't imagine life without him. He has taken away our hunger and thirst. And Jesus, even here at the very end, says, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you don't even believe in me. These people still did not believe Fully, Jesus was who he said he was. If anything, they thought he was a magician. He does cool stuff, and he gives us bread. And I hope that's not you today. God's done things in your life. He's proven himself to be the source of all joy, happiness, hope, fulfillment in your life. And you're still asking God, I don't know if this is enough. I need more. You need to prove to me that you care about me, God. He is the bread of life. I hope you have taken part in him. That is the only way that the deepest aches of your soul will truly be met, fulfilled, and you can have a life of hope, joy, and peace. This is from Jesus' words that he said, he is who sustains us. He fulfills those unfulfilled longings. Now, Uh, As usual, I always have to do visuals to make this maybe a little more on a practical side. There is a reason I have hers potato chips up here. Um, When I was thinking about this this past week and do my study, I was trying to get my brain around it. And uh, so I am a fab dieter, okay? Not a fabulous dieter. I do whatever is the fad, okay? Um, I have done keto. I've done Weight Watchers. You name it. And I can tell you all about them, what their strengths and weaknesses are, okay? Done them all. One thing that over the last two years uh, I have been learning a little bit more about through podcasts and and other uh, sources is processed foods. Now, uh, I love my processed foods. They last forever. I mean, Twinkies can last through nuclear, you know, uh, blasts. It's amazing. Processed foods, though, the science behind them, processed foods, the reason that these are so condemned, the reasons that uh, processed foods are not so good is that processed foods really do just feed our craving. Yes, I'm eating in church. Don't tell your kids. Um, This is wonderful. I love potato chips. That's where my belly came from, is years of hard work and devotion to the Lay's factory. Um, I can eat this. And for a little bit, I might feel like I'm full. I can eat the rest of this bag, okay? This is processed foods. Something is right now happening in my body, though you can't necessarily see it. Happiness, for one. I'm kidding. Um, Processed food, by its nature, begins to do two things. There is something in your body called leptin. Leptin 
when it uh, is produced in your body. Leptin is the I've had enough hormone when you eat. It's the thing that says, okay, uh, you've eaten one too many chocolate chip cookies, time to put it down, okay? God has wired our bodies in a way that there is a hormone, a chemical that actually releases something that tells you stop, okay? Put the bag down, walk away, and so on. When you eat processed foods, uh, that starts to be nullified. That starts to be reduced, that the I've had enough hormone slows down in its production. On the other hand, there's another hormone. I always have to look up the name of this one, and I'm going to say it correctly because I put the right... Ghrelin is the name of a hormone produced in our body. Ghrelin is an appetite stimulant. This begins to turn on because of processed foods, refined sugar, refined flour, so on and so forth. So this now starts to fire up. There's a hunger stimulant building up. Now I'm eating chips. I could eat a whole bag of chips, a whole bag to myself. And what it's doing is it's hushing the, hey, you've had enough, and it's boosting the, you need more. So, yes, I can sit in front of a TV and stuff a whole bag of chips in my face, and my body's still going to tell me I'm hungry. Literally, the processed foods are doing nothing for me but making me hungrier. Now, why on earth am I talking about this this morning with this? When I go and I try to fulfill the deep hope the search for happiness, purpose in my life. And what I do is I eat processed, uh, um, processed hope, we'll call it, or processed love in the form of gifts and money and, and, and relationships and all of this. And I'm trying to meet that deeper hunger that God has wired in me, the hope and the purpose I can only find in him. And I'm stuffing up all this stuff. I truly believe it makes you hungrier for him. Because I've seen people jump from dating relationship to dating relationship to dating relationship to dating relationship and they think that they're getting fulfilled and they're not getting fulfilled and it just leaves them feeling even emptier afterwards for that fulfillment in their life, that fulfillment of love. And so they crave something deeper. And we know Jesus being the bread of life is the true, true fulfillment of that hope and that love that they desperately need. And I don't know if that's you today and I don't know if you feel that way. If you're wrestling with that need of hope, wrestling with that need of love, wrestling with that need of, uh, of purpose, why on earth am I even here, God? I don't know if that's you, but I will tell you this. There is only one source. There is only one thing that will do it for you, as he's done it for many of us here, and that is Jesus. Unless you commit your life fully to Jesus Christ, committed to him, to living in a way that honors him, living for him, it's not a trial subscription. You don't try it for a month, and if you don't like it, you send it back. This is a lifelong commitment to someone who promises to meet that ache of your soul, that hurt, that hunger that you have. He is the bread of life. We see people fulfilling their lives with so many things, Yet Jesus is truly the only answer. And not just that, but I want to look at John 10, 10 real quick, just as a, a final verse for us to look at. John 10, 10 I was reminded of as well this week. And, and um, some of you know this verse by heart. Uh, but John 10, 10, Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil comes to only steal, kill, and destroy our lives. That's just three biggest tactics against us. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Jesus came that you can have an abundant life. There are people out there who don't follow Christ in any way and want nothing to do with him that if you were to ask them, tell me about Jesus, they'll say, oh, he's basically a cosmic killjoy. He's here to take away my fun. He's here to take away all sorts of things. I want to do what I want to do. And you are the, he's there telling me, I can't do this. I hear that in our home from time to time. My children think that we're just killing their fun. Sorry to put you on the spot, kids. Uh, it's, we're there to kill our fun. But we tell them, we're like, we are trying to help you become the person that we know you should be. So yes, we don't want you to be selfish. Yes, we don't want you to beat your little sister over the head with something. Okay? You can't do that in real life. Okay? And it's the same thing with this. Jesus came to give you life, and not just a regular life, but a life that is abundant. The Greek word there actually also means peculiar, strange, and extraordinary. Jesus is saying he came to give you a peculiar life. Your life is not going to be the same as everybody else. You are not called to live a normal life. You aren't. You're going to stick out, but it's going to be in a full life, a fulfilled life. You know, um, those that say that, you know, God is just a cosmic killjoy. He's just trying to take away our fun. Um, I have a question for you, and I, I'm going to be curious to see what your answer is out loud. Uh, who would be the best person to know how this game is played, this board game? Somebody who's played it before? Who else? Huh? Kids? Okay. Anyone else? The person who created it. See, there was a person that became inspired to make a board game called the Game of Life. And they came up with rules. They came up with the purpose of the game. They came up with what it looked like. They probably had some people help them. But ultimately, the person who knows the whole point and purpose of this game, the way to enjoy it the most, is the creator. And so if you want to enjoy the game of life, you follow the rules because he knows the right way for you to enjoy the game and get everything out of it that he intended. When you have, as some of you are here, the rule benders, the loophole finders, Bill Belichick of the NFL, the coach who found the loopholes a lot, um, when you begin to bend the rules and start to try to find your own kind of way of doing it, it oftentimes doesn't make it enjoyable for those you're playing with. And in fact, it makes your time a little less enjoyable. See, God knows the way. I tell my kids this. God knows the way for us to live our life. That's what the Bible's all about, guiding us. Here is how you can have that abundant life. God says, this is what you live your life for. This is how you should focus your thoughts, how you should devote your time. Avoid these things because those are the loopholes. Those are the things that break the rules. If you want an abundant life, you follow the rules. Not because I'm just trying to tell you what to do, but because I know the way life was intended to be and how you can have right relationship with God. And so God is not a cosmic killjoy. He's just the creator and knows the best way for you to have an abundant life. And that is through Christ. That is through Christ. Um, I, I, as I was thinking about this this past week, uh, one song of one Christmas carol stuck out to me. It just came to my mind as I'm thinking through this. Long lay the world... In sin and error pining, till he, Jesus, appeared, and the soul felt its worth. Anyone remember what song that's from? Oh, Holy Night. 
Long lay the world, and sin and air pining. It was feeling the weight, the heaviness of sin and brokenness. Do you feel that way some days? I do. Man, our world's messed up. Long lay the world, sin and air pining, and it was at the perfect time God sends his son, Jesus, to be born. And he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. It knew that he was light and life. We talked about that out of John chapter 1 last week. He was the light and life. You see, humanity's done a great job of fulfilling our cravings, things that we think are going to make us happy and fulfilled. They've come up with philosophies and self-help books and, you know, cool possessions and even their own religions and cults. They've come up with these different things that are going to say, this is going to make you happy. And then we get into them and we do them and we try to fill it and we end up feeling just as hungry at the end of it. It doesn't fulfill us. One thing fulfills us. Jesus came to fix a deficiency and a disability that you and I have. All of us carry it. It's a sin nature. You're born with it. But he came to fix it. He didn't come to earth to just point his finger and say, you dirty, rotten sinner, you dirty, rotten sinner, you dirty, rotten sinner. He came to fix it. Why? He wanted you to have a relationship with God, to be fulfilled, to have your deepest longings fulfilled in him and through him. In this gift of a baby, we've received more life than we will ever get to experience, more grace than we know how to give away, more mercy than we will ever be able to pay back to anyone or to him. You are given more joy than you will ever be able to contain or express. More hope than you will ever be able to comprehend. More love than you will ever be able to measure. Our deepest longings and needs of our lives will be fulfilled, and they will be fulfilled permanently. Is this just a cute little mythological story about a baby born to you? Or has it radically changed you and met the deepest longings of your soul? For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, the bread of life, will not perish, will not have to be separated from God for all eternity, but have eternal life with him, the one that created you and loves you and wants to be with you for all eternity. This is what Christmas is like with Jesus. As we go away today, I'm going to challenge you to reflect on this. Jesus satisfies your deepest hungers. For those of you that have followed Jesus a long time, it's very easy, even if I was sitting in your seat and looking up, it's like, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I, I got that, Dan. I, I could have told you that. I could have written that myself. I've been raised to know this. And it's sometimes those same people that know it that I see the deepest longings in still. They still are looking for a little bit of hope in this time. They're still looking for purpose in this time, even though they are committed their life to Jesus. And that tells me one thing. They haven't taken in. They have not meditated on the depth of the Christ child in their life. I encourage you, especially those of you that have walked for Jesus longer than 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, this season, this is what you need to reflect on. Are there any deep longings still in your soul that you have not found your fulfillment in Christ yet? That you need to spend time meditating? 
Spend time in his word. Spend time worshiping him so that you will get your brain to catch up with the what all is found in the birth of a child at this time of year. For those of you who have never made that decision, you don't even know if you believe in this guy, Jesus, that I keep talking about. I can think of nothing better at this time of year than for you to give your life to him, to commit to following him. But maybe you're not there yet. Then I want to appeal to you that at the very least, investigate him and consider him. Investigate what he said and consider him. You can read through the book of John. You can find it on the internet. We'll get you a Bible. Read through the book of John and think, do I really believe this man? Because I know you can't throw any question at God that's too hard. He will meet that need in your soul. And so I encourage us as believers and those who haven't made up their minds yet, this is not just a cute little story. This changed the course of history. Because Jesus for everyone is truly more than enough than we could ever imagine. He meets those deep longings. I'm going to ask the band to start coming up and I'm going to pray. Uh, We're going to close with a song today um, and I'll have announcements after that. But I want us to, this song came to mind uh, like on Thursday and I asked Beth, thankfully, we live in the same house together, so that helps. Uh, But I, I asked her if we could do it because I was like, oh my goodness, this is this sermon in a nutshell. And it's, an, it's a chorus from the last 20 years uh, called Enough. And it really summarizes this whole thing of Jesus being the bread of life. This baby born, the purpose of him is to fulfill your deepest longings. And he wants to. The question is, do you want him? Or are you just going to keep filling those cravings? Just try and patch things up till you get through this life. Let's pray. Father, I don't know where everybody is this morning, but I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to do something big in the lives of all of us, even those that have followed you for years, that we would understand that the ache of our soul, the ache of love, the ache of of emptiness that we may feel is fulfilled in you. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move in the hearts of the believers here and showing them through your word and through worship, you are all they need. For those that haven't made that decision, that today may be the day they decide once and for all that they are going to investigate you or hand their life over to you. God, I ask that they would turn to you and say, God, I am a sinner and I need you in my life and I'm giving you my life for good today. God, that they would not leave here today without making sure that they have followed you. Lord, you are more than enough for us. And so we ask that even as we declare this truth this morning, that you would be pleased with it. And so we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can send your prayer request into prayer at gfchurch.net and we will pray for you. If you like this message, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app, Google or Spotify. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to seeing you next week.